All right, here we are for round two of Visigoth Raw and Live. And we have with us, once again, he was on last month, and the bad news was it didn't really get recorded. The good news is somebody did get the last half, and we'll put that audio up later. But with us again is William Ramsey. Uh, he's the author, and I guess the way you best know him, of the book Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. Uh, but now he's been working on documentaries and delving deeper and deeper into the occult, I guess, uh, ramifications, if you will, and uh, connections uh, between uh, the masters of evil and the rest of us, the little people. So, William, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for uh, quite some time. Great. Thanks for having me back on. I'm glad to be here. All right. Um, and also, folks, uh, I'll probably tack on that uh, lost audio that has been found. And uh, believe it or not, William, the gentleman, uh, and you never know who really anybody is, but the gentleman who uh, saved that uh, has the tag of Carl Reiner. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> so, so, Carl, give our best to Mel, and, and we'll go on with what is... I like Carl Reiner. I actually just saw him recently, and it's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, so, best. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yes. That's a fantastic movie. I didn't even know it was Carl Reiner. I, he was very trim back in that, those days, but uh, he looked good. So hopefully, Carl Reiner, thank you very much. Yeah, we, we all were. Okay, great. I'm a fan. Uh, now, some of the best straight-out funny humor without getting blue in any crap. That was good stuff. Yeah, Mad Mad World. Uh, so now, to uh, the greater gravity of what we're going to talk about, uh, you've been working on some documentaries, and I think you might want to talk about them to a certain extent. They're not necessarily finished. They're still in the hopper. But uh, you're going to tease them a little bit, but also tell us um, what has led you to go into this. And let me ask you, William, uh, when you get into this kind of stuff, one, do you find it almost like quicksand? And two, do you find it, uh, shall we say, somewhat troublesome to one's soul? Yeah, I would say I would say both. I mean, I think that it's hard for me to get away from it because of my. I was. I'm. A, I consider myself a pretty naive person, so learning these deeper things that I never learned in school and college and, you know, uh, not being a, a member of any occult secret society, once I realized that so much of this is taking place in front of your face, uh, you know, that's, it's amazing to me to see how prevalent it is in our political leaders and our culture, you know, so uh, it's definitely like quicksand and it's definitely uh, troublesome because you see how how much it really does suffuse everything in the you know, what you've been taught as an ostensibly Christian religious environment. And this is a very general question, and we don't have to stay long here. But the thing I think I find troublesome is in the supposed really, really, really Christian sex. Um, they don't, they're not quite putting it together. It's, and, I, and I'll say this. I mean, it's like they consider Satan asleep, like he's not working. Uh, we haven't seen him lately, so I, I don't really think it's a problem. And they have no idea. It's one of those things about the forest or the tree that it's all around us, but they're not putting together that one, there'll be a great deception. Two, uh, he it will come unto us like one of us, and I and I think you see it, and I and I see it, and a lot of people have have. They don't have to all be Christian. I mean, they can deal with it if they want to in a secular sense, but for you and me, and for those of our kind, uh, you know, they're not getting it, and it's like. You know, there's this big wave coming over us, and everybody's going, like, what's the problem? Why is everybody running from the beach? Right. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I have people in the Christian community who are leaders of uh, churches in L.A. who don't believe in, in you know, the, the spiritual. I mean, it's strange that they believe in the spiritual world of God, but they don't believe in the spiritual world of demons or the devil, you know. And to me, that's an, an integral part of the New Testament. So, and Christ talked about it. I mean, that's, that's what's also unusual and interesting to me is that it was a central part of his time on earth was not just doing good and teaching other people, but also staring down and, and uh, speaking out against evil people. I mean, some of his statements against Jerusalem and the individuals there, and I mean, there's the meeting with Satan where he's tempted uh, with, you know, three trials among other trials, and it's like, you know, what, what uh, and it, I mean, then it suffuses all of Paul's writing, Peter's writing, everything like that, so uh, can't why can't you see it Today, it's almost like they're trapped in looking back in 2,000 years of history instead of seeing what's happening now. I mean, I think Orwell said uh, wisely, among his other wise statements, is the hardest part of looking at things is seeing what's right in front of your nose, you know. And uh, for me, that's really it. It's like, why look back? Can't you see the evil and the, the, the occultism and Satanism in everyday life and d d detect it and be on the watch for it, you know? So, uh, it seems strange to, you know, it's like they're abridging, you know, essential elements of the New Testament, New and Old Testament. I mean, there's all kinds of witchcraft references in the Old Testament as well, and, uh, spirit, you know, evil spiritual events, and priests of Baal, etc. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like the Jeffersonian view of the Bible. Well, I'm going to take this and just say Christ is a moral teacher, and, you know, now, you know, there's not some other dimension or world out there that, you know, he's drawing power from, power from although I'm going to go to heaven, you know, which is in a right. stump, which they believe in, so it's some other place, but they don't see, you know, or, or perceive in their hearts that, you know, there's something else going on that people can draw, you know, power from, from the dark side, I guess. And I'm not going to beat to death the fact that I think people are um, more inclined to listen to their preachers than they are to read for themselves. And to to realize that uh, you know the Bible was made for you to read and digest. It was not you know high high uh, polluting language. It was street language, and right. um, uh, it's about time that you get into the Word and let the Holy Spirit guide you, rather than go to church and have someone tell you the way things are. I mean, this is the whole laugh, if you will, about the Catholic Church. That and to this day, if you go to a Catholic church, for the most part, you don't find any Bibles in the pews. Uh, yeah. it, of course, you know, a, a millennia ago or more, uh, one of the problems was is that they wanted to read the Word and they weren't allowed to because the priest would break it to them the way that he wanted to. Uh, the Protestant religion had the Bible's problem is they don't read them. Uh, but, but, but in both situations, uh, if you believe in Jehovah, if you believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, then you should be able to read it. And if you pray for illumination, and I'm sorry to use that word in a sense, but you will get it. Um, I think that has stopped because people are enamored of personalities, whether it's their local preacher or whether it's a, a jerk like Osteen on TV or a Benny Hinn and the rest of these idiots, these snake oil salesmen, and they'll go with that. You know? Right. Uh, Unfortunately, they don't know a lot better. I mean, a lot of it's, uh, you know, culture personality. And, you know, I, I think that you're absolutely right. The real Christianity takes place between you and the Bible and the world, word and prayer. And that's really... Uh, it, you know, I don't know, church should be almost a corollary to your Christian walk through life, at least for me, 
you know, I mean, I'm not saying that church is invaluable. I'm just saying that that's where you go to, to be in fellowship with other people, and hopefully, you know, you're educated from the Word instead of from the pastor. Pastor craft is a lesser form of priest craft that takes place in the, you know, priest craft is like the, or rabbi craft, I guess it's, you know, it's probably applicable as well. But, you know, if you rely on somebody else as an intermediary instead of, you know, listening to the word itself, I think you're doing yourself uh, a disservice or a person is doing themselves a disservice. Sorry to say, but it's gotten to the point, and I liken it to a, a Patriot broadcasting where you're supposed to get the truth. And that is, if you really tell the truth, if you really know it, first of all, most of these idiots don't. But some do, and won't, do, you know, and won't go there, like Jones and such. But it's like that with, the, with preachers, too. If they tell the people the truth, uh, they're going to lose congregation. Agreed. Therefore, the whole enterprise goes down, and boy, doesn't that suck. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, I never really saw in the Bible where we had to have mega churches and all this other stuff. In fact, I Yeah, thought, I didn't see that either. No, I, I thought it was pretty much like cells. And if you had elders, uh, fine. And I thought, for the most part, one would uh, one would be rotated around to uh, to uh, give a homily. Uh, yeah, I won't go into the whole thing, but I think something went very much wrong, where bigness and greatness seems to be more holy, and that is absolutely the opposite. So, yeah, I agree with that. I also have found myself, like since I've been getting into the cult and saying, "Hey, look, this person is." Uh, really not that great. They're deceiving you. You know, if you melt down people's golden calves, uh, they will be angry. So, and those are those are primarily Christians. You know, if you say this guy's not a Christian, and you know they really think that he's out there protecting them, I've seen some. I've seen them turn and go after me pretty, pretty in a pretty nasty way. You know, so. It, and, and I'll just say this, and I'm, you know, I, I wanted to respond by all means, but we'll get into the uh, the heart of uh, the reason why you're here. And that is one of the things I, I find interesting is that in the, in the Ten Commandments it says, have no other gods before me. It may not be gods with a capital G, but Jehovah was telling us, yeah, there are others out there. You know, and they can work some kind of mojo is what I'm getting. But, you know, that's not me. I'm the true God. Right. I mean, but there are out there. And the other thing is, do you remember, when was it? Was, was it in uh, Paul's epistles where, uh, you know, help me out on this, but didn't Paul cast out, the demon of, of some woman who was a yeah she was a fortune teller a fortune teller yeah and, and weren't like shall we call them the chamber of commerce of the town pissed off because yes you just you just destroyed their their enterprise their, yeah the uh, the goose that laid the golden egg all right yes okay so my point is yes people can divine it's true even in the old testament or whatever I mean I don't think the Lord ever said they're not telling you the truth it's like but why do you go to them right and if you hold well, up Good. No, no, you're right. I mean, there's what Saul and the Witch of Endor, or whatever. We went to raise the dead. I mean, so these are Old Testament things that you're you're not supposed to do, even though you may be able to raise spirits of you know people who've moved to the other side. But you know, the forbidden. Yeah. All right, no problem. I mean, nobody said this isn't true. The thing is, why do you go there? Don't you trust me for for your life? So, uh, all right, now you're hitting a lot of heads, buddy. I, I am. <laughs> oh, with, with the with the, uh, the documentaries you got coming. Oh yeah. yeah oh, so. good for you. Uh, so I tell you what, line them up and and go at it whatever which way you wish to. Well, I mean, I think that. It, when I got led back to Crowley from nine eleven, it opened me up to the much broader. Uh, you know, terms and things that people are saying that are sub rosa that somebody who's not in the occult 
you know, wouldn't under, would, would not be able to understand. So I really have been studying, uh, political leaders and, you know, the Hollywood. So I've seen a lot of Hollywood. Like I have another one, Hollywood too, that's going to come out at some point. So I'm working on a variety of projects. I don't have just one. I just, you know, compile these things and in my, in my spare time try to, which I don't have a lot of, um, try to compile them. So, you know, I realize that like Obama is a straight up occultist and so is uh, Bush. I mean, they're, and, and the, and the father, the Bush Jr. and father. I mean, they're both skull and bones guys. So, you know, I see them, and then when I study their public statements, there's many things that they're saying that um, are are meant for my for a smaller audience. There's definitely like an exoteric and an esoteric uh, analysis, and they've played that that those cards very well. That the public, you know, who they don't want to have understand could, uh, you know, will have to, basically if they don't have an occult understanding, they wouldn't see it. So. You know, I've been studying them, and, you know, I, I've tried to compile and show. And, you know, the other thing is not only are they occultists, but there's all types of media disinfo and misinfo and just straight-up control of the media that prevents people from seeing behind the curtain to see the wizard. And uh, so that's just like I tried to discern really what's going on and compile evidence that shows that, you know, these are uh, certainly not Christians and certainly not people out for you know, the betterment of society. They they believe in kind of the same kind of view that Crowley does in a lot of ways. Uh, they really don't care about uh, the poor. They are having elitist sensibility, uh, a feudal, they don't mind a feudal state, and uh, they're pretty ruthless and, uh, you know, selfish. So I think that, you know, I put together the, these films and these videos will, you know, back up my, my opinions for that. So you know, I'm doing a cold Obama, and then I went through and, and analyzed a lot of the speeches that Bush had made, and uh, I just discerned, and Bush and his father had made, and people are familiar with, you know, the, the famous speech that George Bush made September 11, 1991, about, you know, a new world order, and we will, and, uh, you know, all that. But there are other speeches that he's made, that the, the father has made and the son have made, that, you know, the general public should be made aware of, and, and their interpretation at least in my interpretation of what they said, should be uh, public knowledge. All right. Uh, and, again, I, I don't know which one you want to address first because you do have some audio uh, bites. And so I'm going to set up to you as, as far as the order uh, in which you want to. And, uh, well, let's talk about Obama. I mean, Obama's the current president, president, and we can go back through. And some of these things have been covered by other people, but, you know, I just wanted to – uh, you know, bring him, bring it up, you know, people that, the thing is you get a really good idea of character when you put together all of these clips that I did and you see, you know, what this person really is about, not this public image of hope and change and uh, these kind of Soviet style propaganda efforts that, you know, his handlers have put together. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to show that there is, and it's kind of a theme that you, that you have uh, pressed upon that, you know, these guys are, our puppets, their figureheads, they're they're part of a larger system, I think. And uh you know, I think that that's the the case for any presidential unit, but it's good to see the the, the team of thinkers that's behind you know the presidential um, figurehead or facade, I guess. So you know, for example, in Obama I have a clip of Obama where he talks about his uh his handler who is uh none other than uh, Brzezinski. Uh, so he talks about 
uh, Dr. Brzezinski, I have a clip from 2007 where he says, I cannot say enough about his contribution to our country. He's one of our most outstanding scholars, one of our most outstanding thinkers. He has proven to be an outstanding friend and someone who I've learned an immense amount from. So when he says that, you're, you're talking about a guy who, you know, has written two books with occult themes. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, but the Between Two Ages is very similar in Crowley's view and other occultists' view where you go from an old age to a new age. So he wrote, uh, you know, the Between Two Ages, I think it's called, the whole title is about the technotronic era. But uh, if Brzezinski is Obama's handler, that's a, that's extremely important. And uh, it shows what how this continuum of change that's taking place in the United States is being handled by a technocratic kind of wizard behind the scenes. So, you know, in uh, <clears throat> in Brzezinski's Between Two Ages, which was written in 1970, he says the technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society, such a society would be dominated by an elite unrestrained by traditional values. And I think you can see that is pretty evident in the last 10 years. And that's it's important to see the continue. People expect to change in, from Obama, but that's really the, the the stable sense of values that's happened between both part both uh, presidents and parties. So, uh, you know, it was, no, sorry. you know, you make a good point. I'm sorry to interrupt you, and please stay with that thought, William. I don't want you to leave that. But when I hear you say this, you know, the one thing I think we have to think about is that we supposedly elect a president. Uh, actually, it was more a manipulated selection. But forget that. Right. Even though you elect a president, so to speak, it's like uh, with with uh, egg roll, you get all these. And that right. is all the unelected officials that come piling in as cabinet members and advisors. And if you take a look going back to, geez, the late 70s, there's characters that always seem to be around no matter who's in the Oval Office, and that would go for Kissinger, Brzezinski, right. uh, Haig. Uh, Gates. Yeah, I mean, there's always... Gates, Gates switched part. I mean, he's in the, he's on the Republican Party. He's handling the uh, Department of Defense still. I mean, how odd is that? I, I know, and the thing is, nobody picks up on this stuff. But yeah. you know, you you quote elect the president, but with all that, you know, with that with that vote supposedly, you get all these characters compiling in. In essence, this country is run by unelected officials. Think about it. I would say that they find the guy that they want to run, and they support them, and they have all the experience uh, operating the mechanics of the government from the central. Uh, area of D.C., and uh, that's the way it runs. I mean, look at Cheney and uh, Rumsfeld. That team, they've been loitering around Washington for 50, 40 years. I mean, I mean, and, you know, he was, uh, Cheney is essentially the de facto president in a lot of ways, and Rumsfeld, these guys are masterful operators. I mean, incredible, incredible skill, very intelligent. And, and yeah, without a doubt, and, of course, aided. I mean, the fact that they never go away, uh, strikes me as interesting. You know, it's like Cheney's coming back out again. It's like, why are we, why are we listening to you? What in the world do you have to tell us? I mean, but the, these yeah. characters just don't go anywhere. And the advisors, which we always overlook, are there. Right. And I'm not saying that they influence a president so much to the point where he might do something differently. I'm just saying that there's handlers there to make sure what has to get done gets done. My point Absolutely. is... If a president ever uses his own volition, and it isn't in the in the game plan, the the, uh, the script he signed on for, that's when you wind up dead. 
Right. That's exactly what happened to Kennedy. I mean, he had his handlers and people who were around, and he started, uh, you know, breaking things up, and they got him, you know. You know, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, with with the parallels of Lincoln and Kennedy, look, they were son of a bitches. You have to be to be running in the game. That's mm-hmm. the way it goes. It's a rough and tumble. You know what it's about. It, you know, and it does take somebody to do that stuff. However, if there's anything I think that the American people endear themselves to, for those who kind of like get it, and that is both those guys couldn't go along with the game plan, and somewhere along the line, I believe, conscious or whatever you want to call it, took them over, and when they balked on uh, executing the script, they were executed in turn. I agree, and you know they may not not, not have known the entirety of what this is going to be requested of. Right. Kennedy might not have known. You know, maybe he was he was young. He might have been very naive. I mean, he, uh, for as much as he was, ta- you know, he was he was not as connected as people might think. I mean, he's from a, a rich and powerful family, but you know, he was divorced from a lot of the other powerful players there, and he had also gone through World War II and seen, you know, so much death and destruction that the you know, Vietnam War and Cuba may have just seen, like, I don't want any more of this. He had had friends die. His brother had died. And, uh, you know, they wanted to keep going and, you know, plunder and kill. And he didn't seem to want to have anything to do with that. So yeah. so we give him marks, at least, for having a change of heart. If they couldn't do it, I think that's why, in a way, I look at them more endearing. It's like, look, you guys, like I said, you guys are SOBs. You knew what it had to be. And you decide, no, I can't do this. And for that, I give them, you know. Uh, Absolutely. For respect. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you you, know, you live by it, man. You die by it. You knew what you were signing on to. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, I think that Kennedy really did try. I mean, he uh, he tried to tell the, tell the truth and tried to do the right thing. You know, Federal Reserve, CIA, uh, he gave that speech, I mean, unwisely against, uh, you know, to a bunch of people from the media, but they're all probably controlled. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if that's the way I want. You know, he enlist, he tried to enlist the help. Of, I think it was the press corps meeting. That's where that speech comes from, where he's talking about secret societies, you know, with their own, you know, suburbs. Uh, yeah, that was the speech oh. of the press corps. Right. Uh, I believe at the Waldorf Astoria, 10 days after the Bay of Pigs right. uh, was scuttled. And I think he was stinging from that. Yes, and you're right. I mean, he, he, makes, he, he makes a veiled um, threat, I guess, or at least exposure of, I would say, the Vatican. And uh, and that I think signed his death warrant. And plus, he also popped off when he was running uh, against his other uh, Democratic uh, uh, opponents, uh, trying to get the nomination. Uh, you know, in '59, he was saying that the Vatican won't rule me. Uh, that probably right. doesn't go over too well in Rome. So I don't know. But, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I have a. There's going to be a lot of pictures in these films from guys bowing down in front of the Pope, bowing down in front of. Uh, the Cardinal in New York, I have pictures of that that you don't really, the public really doesn't see how much uh, these guys, Koto, you know, Toa, you know, basically are obeisant before the, you know, Catholic Church hierarchy. So, you know, those aren't ones that they, those aren't pictures they publish in the papers, but uh, I think people will find that interesting. All right, and thank you for that. But uh, let me get, let me bring you back to where you were going along the lines, uh, at least uh, you were speaking uh, with regard to Obama. Well, let's talk about Brzezinski. I mean, yeah. Brzezinski was, was Obama's handler and Kissinger was McCain's guy. So you have these two kind of New World Order operatives who have direct ties to, you know, uh, Eastern elites, 
Rockefeller family who are going to be advisors on a for national policy at least, and if not more, uh, you know, two potential uh, winners for you know the presidency, whether it was going to be McCain or Obama. I suspect that they that Obama was going to win. You know, McCain was just a phony, you know, horse. Uh, they were running against him, but. Um, I have some very interesting things on Brzezinski. I mean, I, like I was saying, his two book titles were a cult. The two, the Between Two Ages, which is like Aeons and Crowley's idea, the Aeon of Osiris and the Aeon of uh, Horus, which we are probably now in. And then uh, the Grand Chessboard, which is occultic. It, uh, most people would just think, oh, it's a kind of a game, and that's one interpretation. But the Chessboard 88, it's 8 by 8 uh, squares, and uh, those are important Pyth- Py- Pythagorean numbers. I mean, uh, Pythagoras was a Greek philosopher, a mathematician, but he also had a kind of secret society sensibility. He scoured the earth to find all the great knowledge, but he didn't want to give it out to the people. He wanted to keep it all for himself. And, uh, you know, you see, if you look in our recent history, a lot of interesting things happen uh, with that 88 because uh, of its occult uh, meaning. Uh, so... Uh, there's a direct tie there, and I suspect that Brzezinski is probably an initiate of uh, one or if not many secret societies. He's uh, He's been up to a lot of not, not much good over the last 30 years. Anyway. I, I don't even know. I mean, you wouldn't find him actually kind of logged into any secret societies. I mean, you can argue about, you know, the, uh, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, and certainly that was – Trilateral, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the Council of Foreign Relations was also authored, uh, if you will use that word, by uh, Rockefeller. And I find it interesting, I think, if it's around 1921 at that same time, and I've always thought this interesting, that's when Edward Bernays hit this country with two books, uh, Crystallizing Public Opinion and Propaganda. It seemed like it was a joint attack on getting this thing through. And he made some smarmy comments, Bernays did, in his book. Uh, He called it, what is it, what did he call it? Um... Oh, you know, I'll find it later, but he didn't call it Council on Foreign Relations. He said, oh, man, something pretty close to it. And I just thought it was a real, you know, Weisenheimer wink and elbow in the ribs of all of us. Uh-huh. And I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll get that and I'll find it and I'll bring it out. Sorry that I was uh, trying to recall that. But I said, no, it's okay. Because, I mean, it was like council. I think he meant council, like counselor on public relations. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's pretty close. But Bernays obviously wrote two books that I'm telling you, folks, if you want to know the game plan on manipulation, even in an era before TV, read Crystallizing Public Opinion and Propaganda. And Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud, tapped his uncle for all these, uh, I guess, mythologies, if you will, methodologies, rather. And apparently Sigmund wasn't too happy about it when he found nephew uh, Bernays was using it for something that Freud didn't necessarily intend it to be used for. But, man, it was effective, and that's another whole thing. Well, there's another, there's another important person who read Freud, and his name was Adolf Hitler. He read uh, one of Freud's, Freud's books about uh, the psychology of crowds, and, and uh, that's a known reference from Hitler. So he learned a lot, like Bernays, about how to manipulate uh, large bodies of people, and he did that masterfully. You can just look that you know, through German history. But uh, on the subject of these kind of societies that everybody's kind of interested in the conspiratorial realm, I guess, uh, I have a, an interesting clip that took place between Brzezinski and uh, Brian uh, Lamb of C-SPAN. <clears throat> and uh, Lamb asked him a pretty good question. He asked him, 
you know, everybody's curious about you because of connection to secret societies, and uh, you know, they see you as a conspir- you know, conspirator. And Brzezinski is pretty sharp, and he res- he resp- responded uh, like this. And this is a clip I think everybody should see. It's included in uh, Occult Obama. He says. I don't believe in this notion of secret societies controlling people, but of course, in any political system, there are over-the-table and under-the-table arrangements. As far as the organizations you have mentioned, Bilderberger, CFR, and Trilateral, they are all on top of the table organizations. So to Brzezinski, those are all, you know, people outside of the that uh, kind of more elite realm think of them as these secret, you know, secret handshake place. But to Brzezinski, those are all easily analyzed and uh, easily vetted organizations, which means that he knows where the real secret things take, pla- take place. Anyway, he goes on to say, we know what they are, we know what they do, we probably exaggerate their influence in many cases, but more importantly, they operate overtly. And then he uh, kind of continues to go on, and, and later on in the thing, you know, it's uh, he talks about, you know, different, different de facto, you know, mm-hmm. organizations that they meet. And, you know, if you want to find something, and it's interesting, it's a thing for further research. Research. I think even on on David Rockefeller's uh, Wikipedia site, you can see how many organizations David Rockefeller is associated with. Amazing. And they, they, yeah, yeah, there are there are organizations the public's never heard about. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can look it up right now. You can just go to David Rockefeller's site. There's like 50 organizations. The province, you know the provenance of with Americans would just be like, what's that? Who does that? What's that? And that, you know, David Rockefeller's supremely well-connected. So anyway, uh, my thing about Brzezinski is that, you know, it's it's important to see who these guys are. He's clearly, to me, an occultist of one side or another. I mean, his, his book titles kind of give that away. But, uh, you know, going back to Obama, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of emphasize other things. There, when he was running for president, he would say all kinds of things that were clearly meant for the ruling class and then, you know, certain things that are meant for the public. But he said, uh, one of these, he had a, a meeting that took place in Los Angeles, and he, he emphasized that he's a cousin of Dick Cheney, you know, and also a friend of uh, a character by the name of J- James Whitmore, who is a, an actor in Hollywood. Well, James Whitmore was a Skull and Bones Society member. So by saying that he's a friend of, of James Whitmore, to me, I interpreted that as him being on board with kind of the Skull and Bones Society. And, uh, you know, I think everybody should kind of realize that, that Obama is saying these things as an, with an inside, you know, wink and a nod. So right. I have that in there. And, uh, you know, just I have other things about Obama, about how, you know, he bows down before before foreign dignitaries. He, he can't do anything off a teleprompter. So you can see all his teleprompter mishaps. Uh, he won't put his heart over the national flag, no American pin, and, uh, you know, he's clearly some kind of New World Order stooge. He just doesn't care about uh, the nationalism of the United States, clearly. And, uh, but do you, you know, think, I... But, but do you think in this day and age, honestly, since we've entered whatever you want to call this period, though we have presidents that, that talk something and walk something differently and are really now in a period, and I'll, I'll say it goes back to Daddy Bush, and you can even argue Carter, whatever, uh, and yet they talk nationalism and uh, patriotism and yet they're selling us down the river into a, a one-world order. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And these, the thing is about these guys is they, they're beyond money and they're beyond national boundaries because they don't have limitations of, you know, what the, the middle class or what's called the middle class or lower class have. They don't have to 
worry about taxes in a lot of ways. They have shelters. They, uh, you know, aren't aren't poor, so they're not stuck with dealing with a lot of the uh, administrative bodies or the onerous, you know, uh, state and federal authorities. They have ways of getting out of trouble. I mean, these guys don't don't have to worry about that. So their sensibilities aren't even nationalistic, in my opinion. And I think they just. I think you're right. They just. They just parrot, you know, that that party nationalism line for the public's benefit, so that they'll keep working and paying taxes. Uh, the late Joe Neon, and sorry that we we've lost her, but uh, she would go on and say, you know, you, you take a look at the terminology, and with Clinton, all of a sudden the word interdependence became a buzzword, and that means, for all intents and purposes, uh, a blurring of national boundaries and an amalgamation of all things. Uh, this interdependence means you were all going to be one big happy family, which of course has always been one of the great lies uh, from Satan. And although it looks like it's going to be good, it has to be. It's the old story too, William. You know, nobody bite into a poison apple if it didn't look shiny on the outside. Right. And that's what's being sold now. And I look at all these kids going through the public school system and all this bit about uh, the green movement and uh, multiculturalism. All sounds great. And on face, if it were for a non-nefarious purpose. I'd say beautiful, but it's not. And that's another thing that's happening from the inside out. I'm sorry, guys. Well, no, I was just on the subject of education. There's a, there I have a clip in there where uh, Mitt Romney was bagging on Obama fairly because Obama wants to put sex This is unbelievable. It's actually true. <laughs> Obama wants to have sex education in kindergarten. So he's here. Obama is kind of mocking Mitt Romney for being a white middle-aged stooge by, you know, kind of having a, a funny voice. And then he goes, so Mitt, Mitt Romney is making fun of me for asking for sex education in the schools and blah, blah, blah. And then he follows up and finishes, and Obama says, but it's the right thing to do. I mean, it's that's sick. It is. He's a sick puppy. They all are. <laughs> I know. I mean, how did this guy even stay elected? You know, and it just gets worse and worse. I mean, <clears throat> I think that when you look at all the stuff I've compiled and put it together, I think you can actually have a clearer picture of these guys' personalities. They're as perverse as, you know, as you can get. Uh, I tell you what, why don't we at this point also give people kind of like some kind of uh, shape to what you're doing. Uh, what do you have in mind as far as uh, the number of documentaries you're going to release and without putting any pressure on you, when do you think that those might be available? I'm, I'm trying. I just have a very busy schedule. I've had one. I have some free time coming up, so they'll probably come out in a month. And maybe, uh, you know, I can send you send you something once I'm done. But you know, it's it's. I have everything compiled. I just it's just really putting the time together to edit and uh, you know really get everything together. So right. I think uh, you know soon, soon, sooner than later. But I definitely have. I mean, I have <clears throat> scheduled a lots of uh, documentaries. My next one, after I finish these three and get them out, my next one is going to be uh, about elite perversion, past and present. You know, so I'm going to go from all the way of earliest history, all the way up today, and show that you know a lot of uh, elitists engage in things that the average, the public would just not be believed to be possible. That's why, you know, uh, you have. You have a uh, ruling class in America the way it is now. So, you know, I mean, it's like a, it's a repeat of, of the other decadent societies. Uh, this is kind of um, on the side, but but when you said that, you talk about powerful people and how debacked they really are. Um, 
I can't remember what luminary in the United States, I guess a former European something or other, I think it was being tried, what, the death of his wife, and, was, and he was defended by Dershowitz? Is right, Von Bulow. There you go. And, of course, now this is in the Hollywood thing, but to me, I'm left with this as a certain kind of uh, brand, if you will. Uh, after, after the trial's over and Von Bulow's happy, Dershowitz got him off. If you remember this at all, I don't know, Dershowitz looks into the back of the seat, and he realizes that he just defended a fiend and won. Right. And he said right. something like, you are a very strange man. And Von Buell looked at him and he goes, you have no idea. Right. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, you know, I mean, I can't argue with that. People have no idea. You know, no. we all get upset about these characters. We'd like to whoop them upside the head. But it goes back to this idea of, like, look, you know, you're dealing with messengers from below. And we deal right. not with flesh and blood, but principalities of darkness. So forget all that kind of stuff. Uh, that is not the way to uh, uh, combat them. And unfortunately, it has gotten so ripe. And, you know, William, I always threaten to do an article, and I probably should do that for the upcoming e-zine, about it. This is such a godly country. And please explain to me the symbology, you know, yeah. from D.C. Explain, to explain to me the Franklin scandal, the cover-up, and the total manipulation of uh, the state and federal authorities for that. I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the things I would handle. But that's, a, that's not just a, a local problem. I mean, if you go to all these other countries, the same kind of thing happened in Belgium, Portugal, France, uh, England. I mean, it's all, it's in every country that you know. I've uh, it's, it's, it's such it's amazing. And the cover up, Mexico, uh, Chile. I mean, this is uh, and then you have the Catholic Church, which is basically a. Uh, I mean, what they've done is it's not, I mean, it's amazing how they've gotten away with criminality for for decades. Uh, you know, I, I had on Ellen Lachter, uh, and she's she's just a great person a clinical psychologist that deals with ritual abuse victims down in San Diego. She's a Jersey girl. And mm-hmm. come on quite a bit, and I really want to get her back on again. I mean, it was always a good thing. And I was always amazed at her resiliency, both her and her husband. Can you imagine doing this stuff all the time? No. I mean, yeah, I don't understand either. And she came on with the No Blitz at one time and some other folks. Uh, this, is, this is the sordid underbelly of this country, which nobody really wants to know about, and that's understandable. But the fact that it's there... And even goes back to things, uh, and I don't know if I'm going too far afield here, but, I mean, when Joe Benet Ramsey, I mean, whatever that was about, I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? How does somebody get into a household? I mean, I won't go on with it any further because I think everybody understands the scenario. I'm like, I'm not understanding this, unless this was a sacrifice of a virgin around the winter solstice and the feast of Saturnalia, or as we people know it as, Xmas. Right. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff about, I've read a lot about that, and I got, Cyril Wecht, who's a pretty well-known foreign man, uh, right. right, yeah, and he's done a lot of good stuff about Kennedy, but uh, he said that if that hadn't happened, at the state of her body, she, uh, her parents would have both gone to jail, you know, that she had already, she was already, according to him, she was already else was going on, and I, I vaguely remember discussing with you, but, <clears throat> you know, after the the real party, the after the the first party starts at about ten or eleven o'clock, apparently the the other party starts. You know, where you know a lot of people come in late at night, and then the really evil stuff takes place. So, you know, they probably had a Christmas party, and then everything else happened, and God only knows what happened. I don't know, but you know, the, the family knew something. I I, I believe. Yeah, uh, that 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 is absolutely horrible from top down, and it's yeah. not unusual for these characters uh, who have made a pact. And we can't explain that. We could not prove that. So it's all yeah, I know it's all uh, hearsay. 
but, you know, this stuff seems to occur at certain times, and it always involves, you know, children. And and you understand this fully, and and so does everyone else. And, I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to get it. But there's one thing I don't think that the Lord can can brook more than anything else, and that is do not, do not mess with the children. I mean, I think that's pretty clear in Scripture. What do you think, William? No, I agree. I mean, it says to do this to one of me, it would be better to have a lodestone tied around your neck and thrown into water. So I think it's... I think that's the quote offhand, but uh, yeah, it's it's these are the evil times, man, and uh, it needs to be rejected. And it's it's really in the thing is is that there's nobody really shouting from the rooftops. I mean, the silence from the Christian field is uh, it's amazing. I mean, I, these people are getting paid pastors, and I just don't see a lot of them out there really fighting. Uh, you know this. Uh, I would call it an occultist conspiracy, which is another title for a movie that I would like to do that shows that this is not just some kind of political field or cultural field or entertainment field, but it all meshes together, and a lot of these, you know, same themes are happening, uh, not only on a, you know, that, uh, really on a global scale. So, um, I want to mention something to you, and then I want you to uh, share with us your website, what you have coming, okay? And yeah. I wanted to mention this a certain bit um, with with Jacob, but you know, the Utikins and I would talk about uh, when they would go out, and Utikins were the last ones that I know that went out and were proactive in trying to, well, not in trying to, they gave presentations, try to take what took place, you know, with the W2Cs and such oh. uh, on 9-11 and break it down, and I would say fairly successful because they were good at what they did. Uh, Andy and uh, Herb both covered certain separate uh, 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 elements inside that day, and they did okay. And the one thing we talked about, and Jacob had mentioned this before in the first hour, and that is when you talk to people and you kind of get them to understand that something wasn't really right that day, but what happens is you can see it in their eyes when they, they're with you, and then they jump to the horrible question. And that is, then you mean that our government kills us. And right. it's called at the second level. And when you, you could see them get to the second level, and then you know, you, you know that they were in deep trouble. And, you know, this is going to be a battle to fight this cognitive dissonance. Uh, and, and, and don't you think that that's what we're, we're facing? I mean... This this whole thing about 9/11, the shameful thing about us is that we have short memory spans. TV will sweep this away as quickly as it brought it to us. By the end of the month, 9/11 isn't going to be on anybody's agenda. They're going to forget it. Right. And, and then, I, in a sense, you know, I hate to say this, we can go back to work. But right. that's the point, don't you find? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm having this deja vu. Like I even asked you this once before. Maybe I did. But the point is, is that. You can break it down that things are not right, as it was with the Lusitania, as it was with the Pearl, uh, with Pearl Harbor, and with the USS right. Maine. And the thing is, then people jump you and they go, huh, and then you got a problem. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's sad. I mean I think that that's that's how these guys uh, and the politicians have gotten away with so much over time. That's how they got away with it, get away with it in all kinds of tyrannical societies. You know, is that. People are busy, easily distracted. They have family problems. They got to pay bills, and uh, you know the the politicians become their masters because of that. 
and, so, you know, and, and truthfully, a Renaissance landscaper of you know a friend in, uh, of mine, and we had many discussions. Uh, he was probably ahead of the curve as far as this goes. I always think about contacting him and saying, "I remember what we talked about starting the Knights Templar." But I'm like, "Do you understand? Do you understand where it's going?" I have no idea if he if, if he's on the same page. I probably won't do it. Uh, but but there's the point though. I mean, uh, is it time not? I think for people to realize that government is dysfunctional for a reason, they're not your friend, and they were right. fake being an advocate, but in essence, they basically step back and let the dogs loose on all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that second level you're talking about, about how they kill us, I think that you, uh, the people who think that it doesn't happen should see how many times the government sent people off to die, whether they kill on 9-11, whether they send them off to bogus wars and die, or have their lives ruined or are shattered, per, you know, PSD and PTSD or drink themselves to death or commit suicide. You know, they should see how many poisons the government has has allowed into the marketplace and killed people, how many poisonous uh, pills they put into to the marketplace, how the shoddy, uh, you know, air that they've allowed people to breathe over time, the lousy working conditions. And if you look that back through history, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the government could kill 3,000 people and, uh, you know, use that as an excuse for more war, you know, or more, and, and for more social, social breakdown and, uh, you know, social control, really. I mean, that was a, 9-11 was a tyrannical act, and it was, uh, fomented a kind of dictatorial, you know, environment here in the United States, no doubt. And, uh, so if you see it all together, and both elections were probably stolen and, you know, when you put it all together, they shouldn't be, people should not be surprised. You don't want to believe it. It's just like, you know, you don't want to believe John Wayne Gacy is next door, you know, killing little boys either. But, you know, these things happen, unfortunately. And it's just not seeing the world. And people have a naive, you know, rosy tinted glasses view of the world. I used to have it. And unfortunately, that's just not the way it is. I mean, things definitely have and flow. Things get better and worse. But right now, we're at a low point and we're still going down. You know, and uh, people better wake wake up and see it as a spiritual issue, not as a political issue or a cultural issue. I mean, these are evil times, and I, I, I mean, it's sad that people don't get it. They just adapt to it, and I, I think that that's really a historical uh, constant: is that people, more people will adapt to evil than fight it. I think that that's you know what you see in places like Nazi Germany, Soviet Union. I mean, it's just like what Solzhenitsyn said that. They should have fought the Secret Service right away. Instead, they just adapted, and uh, I can't remember his famous quote, but, quote, but you know, be when they were coming for people, if the if the Russians would have fought right away, they wouldn't have gotten away with all their abuses. You know, I, I will say one thing uh, I, on a good note, and and I think um, Rita, who was um, a woman that was, I'm getting a little here, Rita, who was the daughter of a German who jumped ship in the United States, got married, had a baby here, Rita, went back. But what happened was the INS caught him, whatever the INS was at that yeah, time. Yeah, I think you told me that story. Yeah. That, and she, and yeah. she gets raised it. But the thing that she told me, which I mean, I'll, I'll still say, look, you know, we are better than the rest. She said when, when, when they knew that Germany was done and they were sitting in some hamlet, you know, away from the cities, right. that they just prayed that the United States got to them before the Russians did. Right. Yeah. And I'm so. I mean, good for us in that sense. Let's face that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, let me go on uh, to um, what I said before and have you uh, tell the folks about what you're doing about occult911.com 
and, and what's what's shaking so they can go there and see what you're up to? Well, I'm going to have to redo my, my website here in the next month. So they can go to www.colt911.com. I do have a couple other uh, documentaries that are on there. The Colt Hollywood Part 1, Part 2 is coming out. I also have one on Aleister Crowley. And uh, then my book is available pretty much on the web. You can get it uh, hard copy, electronic copy, whatever you want. And then uh, once I get my, my next website up, I'm going to have like a Facebook, you know, button and a tweeter button and things that are really kind of my next and my next step i really am kind of a luddite i don't really That's all right. do the technology things very well I'm, I'm about two steps behind the rest of the public but uh then i'll then i'll hopefully you know be able to uh you know have everything taken care of and I'll announce a release and send out a press release probably in the next month or two when I get everything done. There's something I, I appreciate about and I find uh, attractive about you, and that is I can hear in you the zeal that was once in me before life stopped me. <laughs> so I always like that line from uh, Homer Simpson, oh, dreams, that's what I had before life stopped me. All right. anyway, uh, but I, I hear in you um, the enthusiasm. I mean, you're on a lot of information. It's a discovery thing. There's nothing like it. Uh, Tira, who had done some work, on uh, Garfield and Gateau and, and all that. I mean, I asked her if she had done a show with us, and I said, you know, but did you enjoy it? And she said, yes. And I think you, you're, you're seeing the same thing. It'll take a lot out of you. It's almost like it's a bottomless pit. But the, but the, the joy of the hunt and to nail things down, I think, is probably what drives all researchers to do what they do in, in spite of the fact that, that sometimes the topics, as you found out, are not all that pleasant. Right. And, you know, the things that I, I mean, there's other things that I will discuss in this upcoming movie. One is uh, the connection between George Bush Jr., uh, Michael Aquino, Paul Vallele, Colonel Paul Vallele, who's on Fox News all the time. Uh, Vallele and Aquino both wrote a, uh, a paper, and I'm sure this is just one that's been published. I'm sure they have other ones that were never published, but it was called From PSYOP to Mind War. And their idea was just to constantly barrage people with myths, uh, not just to have a one instance of a, of a PSYOP, but just create a mind war environment of pure terror, terror all the time, confusion, uh, and using, you know, high technology. And, uh, you know, I think that we saw that institute. And the scary thing is that Fox News is putting this Vallely guy, who's a buddy of Michael Aquino, who's like the head of the Temple of Satan. Yeah, he's on there 30 or 40 times. I got pictures of him. So, I mean, it's scary that these people are being, you know, allowing themselves to be bombarded, not just with biops, but with a guy who is implicated in the most uh, vicious crimes. And then there's Hunter S. Thompson, who's familiar with Aquino. Hunter S. Thompson was in San Francisco uh, during the 70s. I can't remember the exact dates offhand. I have to go back and look at my notes. But uh, there's some things that have been expurgated from the Internet that uh, – people will be very interested to know. I will tell you that privately I loved Hunter S. Thompson's work. I think uh, even though I know now that politics is a sham, his work on fear and loathing on the campaign trail 1972 is excellent. Uh, when he wanted to be incisive, he was sharp. When he wanted to bust people's balls and go after them, he was the best. Uh, oh, I mean, he knew it, but, you know, he knew the underground, too. I mean, this is a guy who went to the Bohemian Grove. He used to hang out at... Uh, all kinds of scary clubs in San Francisco. I mean, he, you know, and some of the deeper, darker stuff is I know. horrific. I mean, they're not not good. 
I'm not comfortable at all with his death, by the way. And it was frightening in Franklin cover-up that supposedly uh, that was Paul, uh, what was his name? Paul Bonacci. Yeah, Bonacci, who said uh, from his testimony that Hunter S. Thompson was filming a snuff movie. Is that correct? Is that right? right? Yeah, and there's other there's other corroborating stories about that, too. Uh, you know, I hate that, but if it's true, yeah. so again, I mean, I don't want to go there, don't want to believe it, but when, when Thompson was good, man, he was the best. Well, you know, and there's other stories he talks about Satanism, and, you know, he was poor... In a lot of parts of his career, he was writing uh, articles for Sports Illustrated. Yes, he'd have to put out, and one of them mentions Satanism straight out. I mean, people hunting out. For, I mean, it's scary. I mean, he clearly, uh, you know, yeah, I read and his, his house was called Owl Farm. That was his place. So you know, he has the owl that flies at night, just like the Bohemian Club. Right. It just goes on and on. You can make the cold connections. When he died. His girlfriend at the time said something really strange, and uh, instead of like it wasn't a Christian thing, what she said to the public was, "He ruled Terra, T E R R A. He ruled Terra, and uh, it's always haunted me about that. Like he was, re- and you know he, when you really look into his character, he was a scary dude. Guns all the time, drunk all the time, got up at like two o'clock in the afternoon, stayed up till six. God, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, and the, the, the writing on the Fear and Loathing in Las oh, Vegas, the intro driving into Vegas, is uh, is it the best, a classic. It's not I mean, the point. guy. But, you know, he touched a lot of those sides. I mean, the Hell's Angels, the San Francisco at the time of uh, <clears throat> you know its great changes in late '60s and '70s. I mean, he was there. He was there. He was a political junkie. He knew how power worked. Yes. He knew how scummy these people were. He knew how scummy Nixon was. You know how scummy the system was. He was relatively honest about it. And I mean, he was. Uh, and yet Nixon loved to talk to him about football. Remember? Yeah. Get him in the yeah. Um, yeah. About Las Vegas. My greatest line is: "There's nothing more wholly unmanageable than the man in the depths of an ether binge." So, yeah. Oh <laughs> man. Dark. I want to tell you right now, folks. We're going to open up the phone lines. Uh, Jim graciously has allowed us to go over. Like he didn't know he would ask, but still, no. It's his call, and it's his right to do whatever he wishes. He is very, very generous with his time. And if I give you his email, you can uh, send him, like, you know, nice letters and, and fine gifts and money. Uh, but the line to call in is 618. I think Lady Viz laughed out in the uh, living room there. I don't know. 618-912-4681. Once again, 618-912-4681. Call in if you wish. Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover. And then, William, you're okay. We can stay on a little bit longer. Yeah, I got another probably 15 minutes to a half an hour once the family comes home. Then it's over. It's over, <laughs> over, yeah. All right, when does the guideline? Um, yeah, I think right. uh, uh, Gordon Comstock wants to call and ask you uh, about something with regard to J.D. Salinger. Uh, okay. Uh, and also I got an email from uh, Jeff the Longrider uh, from Redacted News in D.C., and he says um, he might be able to help you with um, your projects. Remember you had asked me something along those lines? Oh, yeah. No, and then I'm also doing a book on uh, Aleister Crowley. It's called Aleister Crowley, A Visual Study. So I have pieces from my original uh, research. But when I did my book originally, you know, I had probably 20 pictures or 30 pictures I put into the book, but I actually have about 300. So I was going to make a more visual scrapbook, but I really don't have graphic skills to kind of compile everything in a kind of – you know, uh, something more palatable to watch where you could do um, stenciling and all that stuff. So, you know, layouts and those kind of things. I mean, I, the original research is done. I'm, I'm going to hook you guys up because Jeff is a good man. 
And okay. I'll CC you. I'll CC you on the book. Okay. You can take a look at the rough draft. All right. Not pretty. Also, we have a caller, so God's mercy on you, swine. <laughs> okay. Come on, bro. It's Gordon. Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gordon, go ahead. Uh, I, I kind of prefaced what you were going to ask uh, and have at it. Yeah, and this is one of those things that it's so hard to track down. You really can't – I don't know how you would pursue it doggedly, but you can take a pot shot at it now and then. And one of the few people I would bother even asking would be William. Uh, but you guys jogged my memory of it when you were talking about Kissinger, and Kissinger had such a nebulous, a strange um, military intelligence role in World War II. And it reminded me of another guy who had a – a kind of a nebulous World War II military intelligence career, and that was uh, uh, J.D. Salinger, who later went on to uh, write Catcher in the Rye that he's best known for, and then he dropped out of sight completely, and that's so that's always been so weird to me. And, of course, the novel Catcher in the Rye has been uh, linked in conspiracy circles to uh, having MK Ultra triggers in it. You got you see that in the Mel Gibson conspiracy theory movie. Of course, you got the Mark David Chapman thing going on there too. Um, William, do you, it's a long shot, I know, but do you know any, anything about Salinger? Not not too much. I do know that uh, Chapman. Uh, there is an occult connection between Chapman, one of Crowley's followers. Uh, was Kenneth Anger. He actually was met with Chapman a week before he shot Lennon. And uh, uh, he had, uh, Anger, I've been doing some reading about Anger, and he knew that Chapman was mind-controlled. He actually said that Manson was mind-controlled, which is interesting. But uh, as far as J.D. Salinger, maybe he saw something he didn't like and, you know, did a uh, Kaczynski type thing where he just dropped out and decided to go yeah, go native. That's just I don't know. Not normal. So there, to me, yeah. that's proof that there was something going on with Salinger. Something happened. I, 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 let, let me just share with something with you. And I was writing for uh, the Rutland Herald at the time when I found out about Salinger living in New Hampshire and being very reclusive to the point where he supposedly has a, had a tunnel that he could walk from his house and you know emerge to get his mail from the PO box uh, from the post uh, wow. from the box on the on the, on the you know on the uh, street we call them mailboxes okay great and then he would just go back again and i never really understood that but you know what what gordon said and, and you know william what you're talking about in those days in the late 70s i never thought much about it but now i'm thinking about him like if you if you're living like that and although he was healthy i'm sure uh i i think i understand why you would do that i mean i can completely understand that yeah, I mean, he might have seen things that just freaked him out, and he's done. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the the ruins of Nazi Germany and see what happened there, and see what the and when the the, the Russians came in and did all kinds of nasty things. Americans shot a lot of people too. I mean, it was it's it wasn't it's not pretty. And then, you know, he, there's all kinds of things that could have freaked him out. Operation Paperclip and and Gordon, yeah. if you're still there, yeah. Does it not seem? I mean, let's take a look at this. Um, Orwell sequestered himself, if not exiled himself, uh, to Jura, uh, and yet, in a, in a way that's more socially acceptable, did not Salinger, in a, in a way, just sequester himself in, in isolation in a house in New Hampshire? You know, yeah, I really never put those two together, but yeah, they both turned into hermits, really. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that they're on par with Kaczynski, who was the guy, Unabomber guy, no. but... 
Bazinski had had come through an MK Ultra program, and he was he clearly had, you know, he was hyper intelligent, but he he probably experienced it enough that, you know, going to where was he Idaho or Montana and living alone made sense, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. Story too. Yeah, I don't know how that old. He's obviously crazy, but. Uh, All right, go. Do you get a follow up or what? I I actually do, <clears throat> and uh, I guess this would just be to. Uh, because I, I, it, it's so frustrating. Uh, William, because this is what, what I get so often, what's your reaction when, when it, it, because you're the kind of guy, obviously, that brings this up from time to time with, with you know, adults, uh, when you, you show them, say, you point out how George Bush Jr., and others like him, but let's just stick with him, uh, G.W. Bush Jr., how he would do the, the, the the satanic cornuto, El Cornuto signs right, yeah. in, in public, you know, go out of his way to do them, and 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 right. the typical reaction is, oh well, he's doing the University of Texas Hook'em Horns sign. What's your reaction when you you get that from people? <laughs> well, some of those are Hook'em Horns, but the time when he was with the Queen and other things, they're clearly he's obviously making the satanic hand signal. So. uh you know, I think that people just want to not believe. They don't believe in evil. They don't believe people are evil. Uh, and uh, they don't believe in active evil in the world. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, it's it's frustrating. I, you know, I think that... Yeah, the guy never you know, went to Texas University. He's got no affiliation with it. But right. did, you, did you see... Now, hold on a second. Do you, do you remember that uh, when... Uh, uh, we're getting people. When Shrub and his wife went to England, and the story on that in the English, you know newspapers, do you remember the photo? Yeah. Where his wife is down there, and on his side he has his hand down, and he puts him in the horn. All right. Did you guys see that at all? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it looks like right, a five-year-old right kid. Context. Yeah, it's right in context with all of his other behavior, so. The thing is, is like, oh, I mean, maybe once or twice, but if you see all the, the secret society signs, he says, I mean, I've got clips, you'd be shocked, where he mentions 93. When he was leaving office in 2007, there's a, I have a copy of a speech that he gave in front of the press club, and uh, he mentions 93. He subtly threatens the press club. being he hit, What he did was something really subtle, very very subtle, but he he had a copy, he had a totem of somebody who had died in 9-11 and on, on flight 93 in his pocket. He says, I keep this in my pocket. I keep this totem in my pocket as a remembrance. Well, the creepy element of that is that, one, he mentions 93, which are Crowley's numbers, Thelema and Agape, and uh, Kabbalistic numbers, but most serial killers like to keep remembrance of the people they've killed and uh it can be interpreted easily by anybody out there as like you better watch it you know you better not say say anything so there's a lot more stuff about i mean he you know that that bush's kid said my dad is a beautiful person and a beautiful person is a very common term and you can see this in in films and i i'll i'll put it in hollywood too and it's referenced by tarantino but it's also referenced by Marilyn Manson. They have a song called "The Beautiful People." Which exactly. Is yeah. But his 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 own daughter said, "My dad is a beautiful person," and there's the double speak. You know, uh, you've hey. got the oh, he's a great person, but also 
there's the occultism right there. Hey, William, uh, and I'm sure you're obviously familiar with that song, the, the Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Right. I was I I was listening to it one day, not voluntarily, but I was listening to it. And if you count the uh, the beats to it, it, it the repetitious beat, the beautiful people, the beautiful people, count the syllables, and it's six six six. Wow! Over and over. I'm sure it's intentional. Yeah. That whole album, Antichrist Superstar, is just if you want to see the satanic mindset, you know, there's a perfect example. I mean. It's uh, it's astonishing. I mean, God. I mean, so uh, as far as you know, the the Carnuto sign. I mean, it's just one of many. The, the, these, the Bush family is so well versed in in the occult. It's it's astonishing. Once you once you once you put that lens on and decide to look at it that way, your jaw will drop. Just like when you watch uh, Harry Potter. Once you put the lens and you want to see what the occult is, you will see that that. That lady, J.K., who changed her middle name to the letter K, the 11th letter of the alphabet, and it's not representing a name or anything, but you will see that it's an encyclopedic, not very knowledgeable understanding of all occult doctrines from beginning to end. I mean, she made it as like a child's fable to understand the occult, plain and simple. <laughs> At the very end of the, uh, the, the last movie, uh, the kids grow up and go back to Hogwarts, right? And they go into this, uh, this like portal or whatever at the train station. And it's 93, that's nine and three quarters, which is kind of like a 93. Uh, so they go into this <clears throat> thing, but it's exactly 19 years later from the last, you know, showdown with Voldemort. And, uh, 19 is a very high number, which I've learned recently is represents uh, the uh, represents the, the the morning star in the in numerology, and so you see that 19 numbers repeated all the time. There are 19 terrorists. It's not 20, not 18, and you can actually <clears throat> there's other occult books out there that are like 19th Street. So 19 has a lot of meaning, which I've realized, and that's how I came to the conclusion about 1177. I just see them in different different environments and say this has to have some kind of meaning to it. So, anyway, the gold conspiracy is there. All right, Gordon. Yeah, that's all I have. Yeah, get lost. <laughs> okay, bye-bye, you guys. I'll see you, all right, Take you. care. Bye. All right, folks, uh, again, you're welcome to call in about anything you want to. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is, uh, William, unless you got, uh, if you're curtailed, let me know. Otherwise, I want to throw this to 9/11. If you want to feel some questions for obvious uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about 9/11 and my view of it, that's, sure, I'd be happy to. All right, folks. And you know, like I said, we're opening up the phones if you're if you're uh, so interested to talk to William or ask questions to both of us. And that number again is 618-912-4681. No, he's always hate when I listen to talk shows. They like get the number so fast. I'm like, what the hell am I? You know, I can't do anything with that. Right. It, it is 618. 618- Nine one two, four six eight one, and I'll go uh, check in with Jim, the most patient man in the entire universe, and see what we got going on here. Um, I had mentioned also, and I think a lot of uh, folks heard. Uh, you know, take for what it's worth. I mean, all right, all right. Let me frame this. First of all, yes, um, there is a fascination with uh, the occult with numerology, but there also is a stand-up, obvious thread in the Bible about numerology. Look, 
the whole, let me ask you this, William. Did you ever think about this? But the world is made of geometry and numbers. That's the right. whole idea, even down to an atom. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think everything's numerological, but here's the thing is that there's numerology for, I guess, God's side and numbers exactly. for their side. Nothing is good or bad except what people use it for. And having said that, I think we have a caller, and caller, if you're there, come on. Uh, yes, I am. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but but the, the planes, if the government did it, what happened to the bodies? Oh, my God. They went um, to heaven. Yeah, uh, this is it, this is the long man, the long runner <laughs> from the land of the district of uh, what, what is that? Uh, criminal? Criminals, Washington okay. D.C. Uh, yeah, yeah, William, you're going to probably be talking to this guy later on with regard to your project. But go ahead, Jeff, let's okay. hear from you, really. Uh, and you've been around a lot lately. There's a lot of stuff gone down, but uh, with what it pertains to, uh, let's just say with 9/11 and all the crap that's well, obviously I know that that's happened. Uh, yeah, shoot us uh, some stuff that's going on. Uh, well, one thing that's currently bugging me um, is this: the, the the series that's going on this week in the Toronto hearings. We've got this panel of um, people most haven't heard of. A few of them I have, Kevin Ryan, which I have a few issues with right now um, because he he really hates the Rock Creek Free Press, but. Um, uh, they're trying to get this panel together to come up with consensus uh, on what's good evidence and good research about 9-11 and going towards a, uh, uh, a possible investigation as opposed to the bad evidence. And I know that some of the people involved in that are um, definitely hitting, uh, um, uh, you know, I mean, the problem with research and looking into the stuff that, the idea that that somebody is going to come up with what is approved and not approved. It's this whole group consensus mentality stuff that I can't stand. It's just, you know, if you're looking at it in, as a scientific model, um, you investigate it and, and you propose a theory. If the science works, if the theory holds up, it'll stick for a while until somebody comes up with some other um, information or investigative work that's going to disprove something that went on. So it just seems like they're trying to build up um, what what is I guess approved by the the committee from like the Church of the Controlled Demolition and 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 the other types out there that that don't want to uh, go down the rabbit hole and see what's really going on. Um, Jeff, uh, I'm going to ask you. Uh, yeah. If you got a question for, for William, uh, only because we got somebody behind you. But yeah. I mean, by all means, do you have anything you want to pose to either uh, 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 him or, or me? Uh, no, just like what they were saying in the chat room, I've, I've been drinking my dogfish head uh, beer, so I oh, won't uh, belabor that that point and go into that. And and, uh, and he can he can contact me through the about the other stuff about the web website. Uh, and all that. Also, uh, also, Jeff. I mean, really. I mean, you know, I mean, we've emailed before you came on. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been through a lot with uh, whatever you want to call it, for better or for worse. And you've been in this, you know, right in the middle of all that stuff. And I'd like you to come on and chronicle it without a doubt, uh, whether you can uh, uh, give William a hand with his uh, future publication. Uh, I appreciate you, uh, you know, volunteering it, and I'll hook you two guys up. But, I mean, I would like you to come on, Jeff, also, because, like I said, you've seen a lot of stuff building up to this denouement, which is 9-11. And, and, you know, I would love to have you come on and uh, 
break some of this stuff down because it's been a kind of a wild ride for the last four to six weeks, hasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, especially with this this tenth anniversary um, ramp up to it, it's just. I mean, it is completely ridiculous. I mean, you know, they just recently, right before this um, event for tomorrow, they banned all of the 9-11 first responders, the police and firefighters, from coming to the event. And I'm thinking it's just because they uh, are afraid that these guys are going to show up in wheelchairs and iron lungs and, and going to ask some really pertinent questions about wow. bombs in the buildings and things like that, and they don't want that. So, But, yeah, yeah, let's get together and do a show. All right, thanks for sharing that with us, and, yeah, we're going to do it. Thanks for calling in. All right. All right, All right we're going to go to another caller. Uh, Jim, if you have that person, please come on. Hey, Vince, what's up, buddy? Oh, God. Yeah, oh, God, it's Gene from Brooklyn. Hey, look, oh, I, no, just no. Wanna, I just want to thank uh, Jeff Long because he does have good taste in uh, Belgian ales. I have a, a nice Belgian that he, uh, he endorsed, so uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, but I'm wondering about this conference in Canada. Is this Canada uh, conference on uh, 911 investigation, is this just going to reaffirm the 911 commission? I'm going to throw it over to William. Are you aware of what's on Toronto? No, really. I mean, I know that there's some kind of gathering there, but I don't, I don't have any idea what the, what the purpose is. Can I please... I mean, you know, you know, they're not letting, like uh, Jeff just said, they're not letting the firefighters and 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 a lot of the first responders come down because they don't want to see a bunch of disabled people from the event. Um, so it seems like, you know, this is going to happen. You know, the, the Canadians are just going to reinforce uh, the BS that they've been telling us. Are you trying you to Canada again, Gino? Yeah, I've got a bad connection here, I think. All right, yeah, we're having a little break up here. All right, did you hear the fact that I asked you whether or not you want to start another war with Canada? I can't make that out. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll try to spin that up All right, look, you know what? You better get another caller on because uh, I'm enjoying this, Abby, here, and uh, Viz. Uh, we still love you, babe. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll see you later. on me, bro. Yeah, all right. You got it, pal. I'll see you later. Um, William, I think we can talk about this as well, and I'm getting feedback. I had a, I had a hard time hearing you on that one. Can you say that again, please? All right. Am I okay? Uh, now I hear you. All right. Now it sounds right. Okay. Um, what Gene was asking about was this Toronto conference. And, right. And it was Jeff Long who also told me that there was there were problems there. Ranky, Craig Ranky, who I think does the best work of anybody researching the three uh, locales, uh, right. you know, for 9-11. And, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I just said, like, why are we doing these conferences? I mean, people make money. It's high profile. But in the end, what do you really get done? And it seems it's so much more fraught with problems. And, I mean, I looked at the roster of who was there. I'm like, yeah, the same usual idiots. I mean, I, I mean, I never read a thing from David Ray Griffith. He got nothing he can tell me about. I don't care about this crap. You know, I look at, the, I, I always looked at the at the stories, the reports from the newspapers when they can't gag the first uh, accounts of it, and right. so that was never a problem with me. But they had these conferences, like Gene was saying, and 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 Jeff had given me a heads up that all kinds of stuff is going down, and there's all these infighting. You know, it's like screw the goddamn conferences. You can do webinars. What do you want to do? Do you want to make money, 
or do you want to go ahead and maybe make a profit, that's fine, but share the information at a lower cost for everybody. Who the hell is going to fly anymore? Go up to Toronto, are you kidding? you got to have a passport now. What kind of benefit are they going to derive out of that? That's what I want to know. I mean, it's probably some kind of uh, infantile necessity to be around other people who have similar ideas and, uh, you know, tell sound important to one another. I don't have any idea, but I, I've been in I, – I tend to – I do most of my work by myself for a reason because, one, it, it right. stays what I really want to say, and, two, I don't get bogged down in other people, you know, you know, piecemealing, hair-splitting, arguing, getting distracted. Uh, and, you know, what's a, what good is a conference? Why don't they just put it online on YouTube and people can study it and see if it makes sense, write a book? I mean, I, I got down at Congress with Tom Horn and these other Christians and all this, uh, you know, sharing, you know, absolutely indispensable information. If you got the money to come out here, get rooms in, in uh, what the hell is the name of that place in Missouri? God damn. Branson. Yeah, Branson. Mm, all right. You know, it's an off season, so you can get, like, you know, rooms that sh that's, like, three times too high for half the price. And I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. like, if it's indispensable knowledge, what are you looking for? Do you want to help the people or do you want to make money? Hello? It's about money. And conferences nowadays are fraught with all kinds of problems. So right. why are we doing this, man? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not casting any aspersions against Craig. I mean, if they're guests, I understand it. But the thing is, this is not the way to go anymore. Not any longer. Well, I think that the, I mean, here's the thing for me, is that you can draw conclusions right now that things are so bad that you just, I mean, I think the average person should get out from under the finger of the banks, the politicians, uh, you know, all the, shy, the corporate shysters, and try to do something on themselves and sit around and talk about it, you know. I think that... Uh, it's clear to anybody who's paying attention that things have gone way, way wrong and the country is out of control. And, uh, you know, you better start planning for the future in a way that, uh, you know, takes that into account. I mean, I, it's my understanding in some other banking, like in Greece right now, that things are so screwed up, everybody's gone back to the land and lived off their farm, you know, which is smart. And they don't have to rely on the bankers. That's how you starve the bankers. I mean, starving a banker is like... An angel earns their wings, you know, so grow your own food, don't borrow money, get out of the financial system, only operate on hard commodities, be creative, create your own stuff, and barter and trade it, right? I mean, that's really where we should be at as a country is just get away from these people and stop relying on these expensive commodities like gas and energy and, you know, maneuver around it. So, uh, let me ask you, are you... And this police state. I mean, God, I mean, it's terrible. Are you under the gun? Is it time for you to go? Yeah. All right. Uh, before you, I'll stick around, folks, for a little bit if Jim's okay with it, and I'll, I'll take whatever calls. If not, then we'll just call it a day. But before you do that, William, thanks a lot for coming on. Also, just let people know uh, and make them aware that you're going to be producing these documentaries and they're going to come out pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, they've already been compiled. I just is really, I was I had some summertime stuff I was doing, so I'm ready to kind of patten down the hatches and really get them out there. So they'll each, there'll be three 90-minute ones, and then hopefully if I can get this, my book is halfway done, a visual study. I just got all kinds of other projects, but these ones are come out, and yeah, hopefully they'll be of interest. They'll be available. All right, and also give them the, um, the website. Occult911.com, and I'm going to have an update, and I'm kind of negotiating with the host provider right now to try to, you know, like I said earlier, just kind of upgrade it into, uh, you know, 2.0, so it'll be a little more interesting. Hopefully I'll be able to get someplace where people can leave notes and 
purchase some products and stuff like that. So it's a Colt 911. If anybody has any questions, they can send me an email at uh, Colt 911 at gmail.com. All right, look, uh, thanks for coming on. And, um, and we are definitely going to put up the long-lost audio that somebody, Carl Reiner, has recorded. And, uh, yeah, you're one of the good guys, and you've done a lot of work, and uh, all we can do is the best we can to get that promoted. But, you know, uh, like you said, you know, you've got a job, you got a life, you got a family, and you do this on the side because not necessarily you want to, like, uh, make a, you know, a, a million, but that you want to get the information out because it is important. And well, you know, it'll always be there. It'll always, hopefully, I mean, it'll always be online. You can get it on Amazon uh, Video On Demand. That's where another uh, distribution channel that I'll be using, and it's worked out well already. People can see my films on there. And, uh, you know, it always have a different approach. And, you know, these cognitive, these truths and finding these hidden things are a way of uh, defense against this cognitive infiltration and the lot that just an incredible amount of lies and secrecy that are suffusing our entire, uh, unfortunately, our globe uh, since 9-11. And, uh you know, what it all comes down to is you're, we're in a spiritual war, frankly. It's not a political, cultural war. It's not right, left. It's about uh, cosmology and almighty God and uh, his enemy, and he's marshalling his forces. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not looking good for the good guys, and it never really has, but uh, at least we can stay aware and alert and... You know, I think like on your website it says stop following. Well, I can't remember exactly verbatim what you said, but don't fall, don't don't believe the evil jerks. You know. Oh, that, I mean, that was Angie. Yeah, don't obey. Well, she did. She's saying the truth. I mean, don't go to war for these people. Don't go to Iraq. Don't go. Don't sign up for the military. They're going to treat you like toilet paper. I mean, come on. Where are the political? I mean, it's a if it's a spiritual issue and these people are into the occult and witchcraft and evil. Then why are these pastors and these so-called Christians allowing these young kids who are, I mean, I'm 40, I'm older, but they're allowing these young kids to have their whole lives ruined, literally destroyed in a useless war that's transforming the world to a, a charnel house. It's disgusting, you know. I mean, we're, the United States are the bad guys right now. We're not the good guys, okay? And that should be made perfectly clear. And I feel sorry for these false teachers and these uh, Pied Pipers and these... Uh, bad shepherds who are allowing these people to unquestionably throw their lives away for this crap. You know, it's disgusting. I'm sick of it. So it's got to stop. Uh, obviously, good point. And the story is courageous. And that All right. Is- see you. I got to run. Got to see you. Bye bye. All right. Take care.